Hi friends, John Wesley here. Thank you for joining me on the Sense of Shelf podcast. And let's get ready to meet at the oak tree with the knot hole in it and then sneak past the Radley house to get to this week's band book club. And no, we're not talking about To Kill a Mockingbird, although we probably will soon. But I got tired of the 1984 references. Today we're actually talking about All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brandon Kiley. Keeley or Kylie. I'm going with Kylie for this episode, though. Published in 2015 by the Young Reader imprint of Simon & Schuster, Athenium. Athenium. I am terrible at pronouncing some of these things. The book sleeve reads, Rashad is absent again today. That's the sidewalk graffiti that started it all. Well, no. Actually, a lady tripping over Rashad at the store, making him drop a bag of chips, was what started it all. Because it didn't matter what Rashad said next, that it was an accident, that he wasn't stealing, the cop just kept pounding him, over and over, pummeling him into the pavement. So then Rashad, an ROTC kid with mad art skills, was absent again and again, stuck in a hotel room. Why? Because it looked like he was stealing, and he was a black kid in baggy clothes, so he must have been stealing. And that's how it started. And that's what Quinn, a white kid, saw. He saw his best friend's older brother beating the daylights out of a classmate. At first, Quinn doesn't tell a soul. He's not even sure he understands it. And does it matter? The whole thing was caught on camera anyways. But when the school and nation starts to divide on what happened, blame spreads like wildfire, led by ugly words, fed by ugly words like racism and police brutality. Quinn realizes he's got to understand it because bystander or not, he's a part of history. He just has to figure out what side of history that will be. Rashad and Quinn, one black, one white, both American, face the unspeakable truth that racism and prejudice didn't die after the civil rights movement. There's a future at stake, a future where no one else will have to be absent because of police brutality. They just have to risk everything to save the world, because that's how it can end. Now, as I've discussed before, this book telling this story and amplifying oppressed and underrepresented voices scares a large population of America. And we all know the population I'm talking about. Conservative, Christian, predominantly Caucasian. So this book has been high on the banned book list multiple times for profanity, drug use, alcoholism, and because it's thought to promote anti-police views and contains divisive topics. That's right, listeners. Banned because it contains divisive topics. We can't even have books that people could have differing opinions on and have a healthy conversation and debate about it. And this happened within the last year or so, I think, in Tiverton, Rhode Island. And surprise, the dissenting voice I read the most while researching was that of a white man who was a former cop. It was also challenged in Charleston, South Carolina, among other places. So for this book, these two authors combined to write this story. Reynolds and Kylie, one black and one white, wrote the book of two students, again, one black and one white. 
and try to tell it from authentic perspectives. And there's many interviews featuring these two authors that tell how it came about and things they've experienced in their past and in their childhoods and growing up that led to how they approached the story. And this book often gets lumped together with The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, as both stories touch on police brutality. The authors of this book, as well as Angie Thomas, maintain their books aren't anti-police, as people like to accuse them of being. They're anti-police brutality. Shameless plug, I have an earlier episode of the band Book Club about The Hate You Give. I absolutely love that book and the episodes probably about 10 to 12 episodes before this one i believe uh i have a note written here saying it was episode 26 so go ahead and after this one go back scroll down and give that one a listen and please excuse me if i slip into comparisons between the two books but they are somewhat similar so this story the well the whole book is set up with each day of the week of the story being a chapter. We start with a Friday and make our way to the following Friday. And each chapter slash day, we have the experiences of both Rashad and Quinn. I did like that method of telling the story. And I also liked that it felt like it could take place in any city in the country. The, the town in the book is called Springfield. And I'm pretty sure there's a Springfield in every state. And I'm going to, again, apologize for comparing to The Hate You Give. But The Hate You Give takes place in a neighborhood called Garden Heights. In reading that book, it felt very Los Angeles to me. And the author, Angie Thomas, has mentioned that the setting is inspired by places she spent time when she was younger with family, like Englewood and Compton. Now back to this story, All American Boys. It starts with Rashad. He is leaving school on a Friday, excited about a party that night. He's in the ROTC and has his very close group of friends. And he's established as an all-around good kid. As the book sleeve explains, he goes to a local corner shop called Jerry's for a quick snack. He sets his duffel bag down with his uniform inside of it to search for his phone. And as he's doing this, a woman stumbles over him. It is an innocent accident. No one is hurt. I don't believe the woman even seems upset. The harm in this scenario comes from the shopkeeper. He is wary of people stealing. Clearly has some racist beliefs towards his customer base. And he's hired a cop as security. There is another problem. The shopkeeper overreacts to this incident, which then riles the cop up and puts him into full-on police brutality mode. They don't listen to the woman or to Rashad and just accuse him of trying to steal his snack because his bag was open. The cop drags him out of the store and continues to unnecessarily assault him on the sidewalk. After that, we are introduced to Quinn on the same day. He is a student in the same school, but doesn't really know Rashad. We go through his Friday routine. We learn a little bit about his family. His father served in the military and was killed in action. And his father was the pride of the neighborhood. And now Quinn is expected to be just like his father. And for the most part, he also seems to be an all-around good kid. 
Him and his friends end up near this same store, Jerry's, waiting to find a stranger to buy them alcohol for the party tonight. Like I said, he's mostly a good kid. Well, Quinn ends up witnessing the assault on Rashad by the cop, who we find out happens to be his best friend's older brother and was like another father to him after his own father died. So we continue through each day. Rashad is in the hospital recovering and coming to terms with his place in a white patriarchy. He finds it hard to accept what the reasons behind the incident are and just keeps maintaining that he wasn't stealing. Not, like I said, not coming to terms with what really caused this to happen. We also see Quinn going through his experience in each day in each chapter. He wants to keep quiet and say this doesn't affect him. And if we're being frank, he's a white male. He can keep his head down and let it pass. This is something that happens every day and is a part of white privilege. We could just ignore the harsh oppression of people of color. But that white guilt starts to eat away at him. His own thoughts and feelings toward the incident are greatly exacerbated by the cop. Again, his best friend's older brother, who is practically family, and that cop's family's behavior. Quinn's best friend, Guzzo, who is the younger brother of the cop, Guzzo is basically threatening Quinn to keep his mouth shut and side with the cop, and this doesn't sit right with Quinn. There's a buildup throughout the week to a protest about the assault on the following Friday. A movement is starting, and both of our all-American boys are thinking about their positions in society. Rashad doesn't want to be the center of attention, but knows his presence would be important. Quinn wants to do the right thing and support Rashad, but is struggling with what he feels could be the betrayal of his loyalties to his friend's family. Rashad's family, in many ways, contributes to his confusion. His father is an ex-police officer with a story regarding his time on the force that Rashad doesn't learn until the Wednesday chapter of this book. His mother is a strong and quiet mother who just wants her boys to be safe and do the right thing. Then you've got his brother, Spoonie. Spoonie doesn't live at home. He's an older brother. He doesn't live at home and is always at odds with the father. He is very involved with fighting for social justice and equality. He wants Rashad to be safe, but keeps also trying to persuade him into protesting and taking a stand. His whole family wants what is best for him, but they seem to have different opinions on what that is. In regards to people's excuses for challenging this book, the anti-police stuff is nonsense. The book talks about a horrible incident of one police officer committing police brutality and the community's reaction to it. That is in no way, shape, or form trying to be anti-police. That's like reading some murder mystery. A husband, you know, kills his wife and the wife's family reacts how you would expect. But the book is now going to be banned for being anti-husband. Like th that, it doesn't make sense to just make that, that wide statement about this sort of thing. Banning a book for being anti-police when it talks about a specific incident, just like The Hate You Give, again, sorry, but they are similar. It just doesn't make any sense. It's people who don't read the books forming an opinion ignorantly. Where were we before I went on that rant? Again, this is a fiction story of things that are just similar to the real life horrors 
that entire populations face. It's not a manual for a riot. It's not instructions on toppling the white patriarchy. It's just fictional stories written by voices that deserve to be heard. It's also a challenge for profanity. And I've mentioned this in past episodes. I, I am sorry if, as a parent, your opinion might be different from mine. For me, again, my, my toddler is still a toddler. She's not in high school yet. When my toddler gets to high school, I would trust a teacher to, to read a book with profanity and explain and reiterate that, you know, that language isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily tolerated in a lot of circumstances, but that language helps to tell a story in a lot of cases when used properly. And let's, let's be honest here. We've all been teenagers. We all have used foul language. Reading that in a book might help it seem like a more natural and relatable story to a teen. So for me, the profanity is not a huge deal. I would trust a teacher to, appro- to approach the profanity in a professional manner and possibly even just skip over it or use something to fill in for it. The kids are going to read it, but it doesn't have to be spoken out loud. If there is a curse, use pretend it's a good place and say something else. Say fork. I'm okay with it. If your opinion is different, that is okay as well. I understand I understand being against the profanity. I don't even use profanity that much in my regular life, but I wouldn't want this story to not be told because of profanity. It is also challenged for alcoholism. Not alcohol use, which would be sort of silly, but make more sense. Alcoholism. It's not implied anywhere in the story that someone is an alcoholic. Occasionally, Quinn sneaks alcohol out of his house or gets strangers to buy it for him or his friends. Is it wrong? Yes. Do kids do this in real life? Also, yes. Does this imply or promote alcoholism? No, it does not. And it's challenged for drug use. I don't ever remember anyone actively using drugs throughout the story. I think there is a mention maybe twice, of characters having smoked weed in the past. These challenges, as usual, are just a combined effort of people grasping at straws to get books off the shelves that tell stories of real-life scenarios that people face on a regular basis just because certain people don't want to see our society for what it is and they have the luxury of ignoring it. Now, personally... If I'm going to be honest here, I didn't care for this book too much. I understand the point of the two different narratives, but I honestly could have done without Quinn. We have enough stories told from that perspective. I much rather would have liked more of Rashad and his family. I would have liked to see a lot more between them. I would have liked his friend's points of view a little more too. One of his friends was very conflicted about what was happening because it was his friend that was assaulted but he's also the star of the school's basketball team, and the coach explicitly told his players not to get involved in any of it. So that friend is going through a lot in this story, and that would have been nice to explore. Another friend sprayed the graffiti that helped the movement start. Rashad is absent again today. The friend sprayed that on the sidewalk at the entrance to the school for everyone to see. 
So, yes, it did start, obviously, with this cop committing this heinous act. But this friend's graffiti is, was sort of the rallying cry that really got people going. It would have been nice to see, you know, his preparation, his mindset and his thoughts going through that whole part. When it comes to these books, my whole point is just to give what little spotlight I can to underrepresented voices in literature. Because that's what keeps getting banned. I'm going to beat this dead horse. It's always stories of the LGBTQ community told either about that community or by authors in that community in the tr stories that tell the truth on how this country treats and has treated people of color and other minority groups it's those two books those two types of books that will always get banned and challenged because there's a large population in this country that wants to ignore the truth and sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not happening and so, like I said, my whole point is to, with the band book club, is to try and give the little spotlight I can to these books. While this is a, a very good and very well-written, unique book, I could have done again without the Quinn story. I liked my other band books more than this one, but that doesn't take away from it being a good book and a very important story to be told. That's the end of my written material, so now I'll rant for a little while. We'll probably have some more classic type of band books that will be discussed soon uh, i mentioned to kill a mockingbird at the beginning of this i i have i do have plans to discuss 1984 with milo from the 80s and 90s uncensored podcast milo, milo if you listen to this i apologize i am terrible at scheduling and i get overwhelmed with different things and kind of bury myself whether it's work or my home life or this or school, it's very easy for me to get overwhelmed and sort of withdraw into myself. And that's why this podcast sometimes takes a backseat, and it's why I'm terrible at scheduling to interview with people. Well, friends, I'm recording this on the night before Thanksgiving. I don't know if I'll have it edited and published by tonight or tomorrow. So whenever you're listening to this, I hope you have or slash had a fantastic Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. There's food and family and no pressure of gift giving. So Thanksgiving definitely is rated higher than Christmas for me. And that's going to bring us to the end of this meeting of the band book club. Please go get these books wherever you get your books. Borrow it on your tablet, borrow it from the library, buy it, get it from bookshop.org, get it from Amazon, that evil behemoth that it is. Just get it and show these authors that people do support their work. So do that for me and the authors. And my shout out for this week is going to be my friend Willie and his lovely wife Fiona on the thing about us podcast I'm sure I've mentioned them before I love listening to them they have great honest open and respectful conversation conversations that need to be have in relationships especially marriages if you want that marriage to last so everyone go find the thing about us podcast on Twitter 
and on your favorite podcasting platform, their Twitter handle. I'm stretching the way I speak out so I have time to check it is The Thing About Us. That's nice and easy to remember. So yes, go find The Thing About Us, Willie and Fiona, The Porters, uh, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. As soon as you're done with this one, press that little magnifying glass, type in The Thing About Us, and go subscribe and follow them. They're great. I love talking to them. Willie was... I love listening to them, and I did love talking to Willie. He was on my second Sandman episode for the graphic novels. We talked about volumes one, two, and three, and we have messaged since, and we'll be doing another episode at some point, hopefully. So again, the thing about us podcast, go listen, go subscribe, go follow. And do all that stuff for me. You're already listening to me now, so hopefully you've clicked on that subscribe button on whichever app you're using. Give me a rating. Give me a review if you feel so inclined. They help us little tiny podcasts to get seen a little more. And find me on all the social networks. Everyone thinks Twitter is crumbling, but I'm still on Twitter. It's my favorite one to use. All of my social medias are Scent of Shelf Pod. And that is Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I've started Mastodon and Hive, but I'm really not, I haven't even posted anything. I just created the account so I'd have the screen name. And all of those are Sense of Shelf Pod. Go ahead and follow and talk to me about your favorite books. Listen to me rant about my favorite books and books in general and authors and everything that comes with reading. I also have an email if you'd like to send me a longer form message, senseofshelfpod at gmail.com. You can support my show by going to Kofi, K-O hyphen F-I, or buy me a coffee. And you can subscribe. You can, yes, you can subscribe. You can donate. You can tip. You can commission. You can do all those things. Please commission me to read a book, whether it's the book you love or a book you really, really didn't like. Commission me to read it, and I'll read it, and I'll give it a review. And it helps me to read more. I enjoy doing it. And uh, it really helps me when I run out of stuff to read, which is not often, but it does happen And when I can't think of another title to get. So go ahead and do those things, please, and thank you. And I'm just rambling now. I am very tired. I'm at closing in on the end of a double. I've been at work for 14 hours now, so my brain isn't working all that well. So do all those things, the social medias, email, Kofi, buy me a coffee. Uh, on a lot of my shows and possibly my link tree, I have a link to bookshop.org where you can purchase any of the books we discuss or really any book you want. And your purchase will go to supporting both my show and small independent bookstores. You get two birds with one altruistic stone. And I think that is going to be it. Again, have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And thank you for listening. Find this book to support these authors that are constantly challenged and banned. Uh, get it from your library. That's where I got it. Borrow it from your library on your Kindle. 
use Audible, use all those things, and um, just support these authors. I'm done ranting, I swear. Uh, As usual, be safe, read a book, and God bless. Thank you.